When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to you to watch this podcast. I am Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we have a our second Disney, Devin's Disney double feature. Devin, we were talking okay. before the show. What was the first one that you did? You know, I can't remember. Okay. I genuinely can't. I think it was Frozen and it was something else. It had to have been. Okay. Uh, today we are talking about the Disney film Encanto. And a little mm-hmm. bit about Disney Pixar's Turning Red, which just hit Disney Plus about a week ago. So, Ooh, yeah, over just over a week ago. Um, but before we get into that, uh, we've got some exciting things planned that I want to talk about. Um, starting with tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, Devin and I will be live again here on Twitch, uh, talking about the Oscars. And we're not only are we going to be talking about the Oscars, we are going to be making our official picks for the Oscars this Sunday. Um, we on record. Ryan cannot join us for this. So we've worked out a system where we are going to be making Ryan's picks for him using <laughs> this giant die that I'm going to label uh, <laughs> one through five and going to roll to see uh, what nominees he's picking for his ballot. Um, and there it's is, gonna be better than my picks. It's gonna. I'm done calling I mean, it now. And 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 I mean, honestly, I, the, the reason why I am completely fine with this is because if I were to try to pick my own picks, I wouldn't do any better than just <laughs> a roll of the dice. So that's why I'm all for this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So we haven't worked out the details yet, but there will be a a uh, a bet aspect to this that I think Devin and I are going to work out tomorrow on the stream about uh-huh. what happens to the losers and what happens <laughs> to the winners. Um, but Devin still has to follow through on his spider bet losings. I do. And, I know. And Devin, Ugh. Devin has until Dr. Strange comes out. Cause I still have time. I still have time. You still have time. You wouldn't have as much time if we said it until uh, Morbius came out, but no one cares about Morbius. That doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> it's gross. Ugh. Um, so yeah, so join us tomorrow on Twitch, probably around three o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, uh, like we did yesterday. Uh, Devin and I will be live talking about, it. I've got all the graphics made up. I just need to figure out what order I have things in. Cause I didn't, I didn't label them in the actual thing that I can see. I have to go through and check the, <laughs> font, the, the order quick. Um, just a quick programming note. Uh, the Oscar picks have been made. This episode is going out after Devin and I did the live stream. So you can watch our picks from the live stream on our YouTube channel. The link is in the description of this podcast below. Back to the show. But before then, I will have watched every single Best Picture nominee. I have one one and a half left. Which one are you halfway through? I started Drive My Car, the Japanese language film this afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I'm halfway through that. Uh, It. I just needed a break before the show that like, I didn't want to just be, I, I was worried if I watched the whole thing in Japanese, I would come on here and start speaking Japanese and I don't speak Japanese. So that would have been really <laughs> weird and very offensive. Uh, I, 
Yeah, yeah, it would have. Talk about things so, that just kicked off of Facebook. Those. Yeah, I have that, and I have King Richard left to watch. I have watched every other Best Ooh. Picture nominee, uh, and I've liked a lot of them. I have. I am not a fan of a few that we will talk about tomorrow. Oh, good. I can't wait. Um, okay. Yeah, some of them I'm just like, okay, I know why this was nominated, because so-and-so directed it. That doesn't mean it needs to be nominated. I've seen better things. <laughs> um <laughs> Hey, Lou. Oh, what's up? Friend of the show, Lou's here. Um, but yeah, so join us tomorrow for our Oscar preview. And then this Sunday, you can join me and Ryan for a bit. And then Devin eventually, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'll be there. For our Oscar live view, live stream. We're going to be live streaming our reaction to the Oscars as they happen right here on Twitch. So if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, head over to our Twitch channel uh, and you can... Um, watch along, watch us watch the Oscars and it's going to be fun. We're going to have some friends of the show come in. I think, do we not have a command for that? I thought we did. Oh, well, a command for what? I, I put in Twitch. I thought, I thought it would come up. Oh, oh well. Follow us on our Twitch. It's the same thing as what you're watching on now. It's you have to watch this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It just put put that in the old Twitch search engine. We'll be right there. It's the one with yeah, just make, this beautiful so, face in the sun. Just wanted to make sure the Streamlab was working. It is. All right. Okay. Uh, so that pretty much does it for our Oscar celebratory uh, week. Um, guys, have you watched anything recently? I know I've been watching yeah. Best Picture nominees, and they're, <laughs> I'm saving that conversation for tomorrow. If you want to hear my yeah. thoughts on licorice pizza, tune in tomorrow. Because, uh, boy, do I have them. Uh, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I can. Licorice um, pizza. <laughs> Interesting. Ryan, Ryan, what have yes. you watched? Uh, I watched the sequel to Don't Breathe, sim- and it's simply titled Don't Breathe 2. Um, it is a sequel to a film about a bunch of teenagers go into an old man's house for whatever reason um and they think they're going to like steal some stuff but they don't realize that the guy that's in there even though he's blind um is like an ex-navy seal (laughs) and yeah um it's a really simple premise if you're really really into horror i i recommend the first one the second one has nothing to do with the first one so you can watch the second one and not have to worry about anything connecting to the first film it's its own movie um, and it's I a better premise. Is you it? should watch the second one. What is the second, the second one's one? a better premise? Um, Tell so this, so the second one, um, you've got again this. You've got you've got you've got the old guy, the same character, mm-hmm. and he's got like a daughter living with him, and people come, and like to take, break in, or are they just like her. showing up? People oh, come her. in to take her. And he has to do what he does outside of his home. And remember, he's blind. So he can only hear things and, like, feel things. So it's kind of like Daredevil without, like, the sonar. Um, I mean, it sounds like an interesting premise. Who's not breathing in it? Oh, no. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing about don't breathe because the guy can hear you. Like, he has, like, super hearing because he's blind. He relies on his hearing. Mm -hmm. And in in the first movie, these teenagers go into the house and they're trying to, like, get away from the guy. But, like, they're constantly, like, stepping on a floorboard that cracks or coughing or, you know, doing something that he can hear them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and in and in the second one, it's it's just good. Like it's yeah. like it's like border. It's like borderline like anti-hero type stuff. And you go back and forth of like, do I really want to feel bad for these get for for you know these people, or do I want to feel bad for him? And then you go back and forth like maybe three times throughout the film before you finally land on, oh, I'm supposed to feel for this person. It's <laughs> it, it's done really well. I I I I highly recommend it. Leave it to Ryan to bring a horror movie to Devin's Disney double feature. <laughs> You've ruined it, Ryan. You've absolutely uh, ruined it. I ha- I, I'm not going it, to, it, it, believe me, this is, it's decent. <laughs> I, I've heard that this one is a complete uh, tone shift from the first one. But yes. from what I've heard of the first one, I have no desire to see this guy as a hero or as a anti-hero well, at well, all. That's what I mean by you don't know. Like, you're you're watching it and you're thinking to yourself like this really sucks for this guy and then you wait like 10 minutes and you're like no 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 no! i really feel bad for these people mm-hmm. and then like 20 minutes later you're like oh no 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 i feel for the guy because of just the different things that they're bringing up throughout the storyline but then mm-hmm. at the end of it like they pretty much make it to a point like you're not so like the guy's not a good guy and he and and he fl- and he flat out admits that and the movie mm-hmm. does a good job of having you care for the kid and not really for him okay so it's one of the, so i mean it's one of those things where i mean yes the first one <sighs> don't breathe too is a standalone film that is just the people who made Don't Breathe was like, you know, maybe we could do this better. And they did. It, it almost sounds to me like it's like Friday the 14th. Like if like Jason, someone stole like Jason Voorhees' mom's bones and he's like now out to get him and you're rooting for him. To a point. But then, yeah. you know, at certain points you're like, yeah, no, I'm only rooting for the bones. For, you know, like, I'm only rooting for Jason because he's not as bad. Even though he's horrible, like, he's not as bad as the people he's chased. Like, it's that whole thing. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you care care about the kid and you won't have Mm -hmm. any ethical problems. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not usually too too concerned about ethical problems in liking a character in movies. I'm sure I'll like these anyway. Yeah, no. Don't Breathe 2 is exactly what Don't Breathe should have been. Okay. This so. is one of those this is one of those series that if you want me to watch this, you're going to have to make me watch it because I'm not going to seek these out. Yeah, no, no, no. I understand and that's why I'm talking about it because yeah. like because I mean like Kristen told me about the first one and I was like, "Okay, cool. I'm not interested in that. I don't care." And then she was like, "No, you need to see this one now. You need to see the second one. It's completely different than the first one. This is what the first one should have been." And then okay. as soon as and then was it as soon as the movie was done, I turned to Kristen and I said, "Yes, this is what the first one should have been." <laughs> so, okay, did you watch the first one in preparation for this one, or you like watched it like months ago or years ago? Or I asked Kristen, "Do I need to see the first one to understand this?" And she said, mm-hmm. "Absolutely not. Not one, not one thing in the second one relates to the first one storyline at all." Yeah, fair. All right. 
Maybe okay. I'll just jump in on two then. Yeah. All right. Um, Devin, do you have anything for we watch this? I do, in fact. In fact, we all do. Oh, we do? Because we, we all on. watched something. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this. We're doing a Disney double feature today. So uh, <laughs> I figured we'd jump right into the first of our double feature. So this one is uh, called Turning Red. Is the first one that we watched, or the first one that we watched that we'll talk about today. It just came out a couple weeks ago on Disney Plus. It is the third Pixar movie to come out strictly on Disney Plus and not be released to theaters. They wanted this one to release to theaters, and it didn't. Um, it's directed by Domi Shi, which I absolutely love. Her previous thing that I fell in love with was the the Pixar short uh, film called Bow. I don't know if either of you have seen Bow. Oh, yeah. I it's, saw, it's, I saw but, Bow. Yeah. That's, that's the one with the dumpling, right? Yeah. The yeah. Bow bun, yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that in front of? That was in front of... An, oh, that was in no front idea. of... It was Coco. It was in front of Coco. Okay. Because I, I saw it on the internet afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah. Because I remember... I didn't see Co- Coco in theaters, but I remember hearing about it. And then they released it <laughs> online. I was like, what the hell is this? Okay. <laughs> I love it. So hopefully that makes some of this make more sense. So, I mean, it was, you know, it was uh, directed by Domi Shi, was written by Domi Shi. Um, it stars uh, Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, Ava Morris, Hayden Park. Uh, it essentially tells the story of a little girl who, um, is, I think she's 13 in this, 12 or 13. She's, I, I'm sure it says on this Wikipedia page. 13. It is 13. They say it uh, in the film multiple times. I, you know, I'm, sh- I'm sure they do, but I just, I glossed over the age. But it tells the story of four, 13-year-old Mei Li who uh, finds out that there is a secret running in her family where when she gets to a certain age, she suddenly turns into a red panda uh, whenever she starts to feel any kind of extreme emotion. Uh, there's a lot of metaphor in this. I think there's also some... Uh, pretty strong connections to the other Disney movie. I actually think this is kind of a neat Disney double feature to do. Um, But I just wanted to get first opinions. None of us had seen this before today. So, um, uh, Alan, what did you think of Turning Red? Let's start there. So the the fact that this is from the director of Bao makes a lot lot of sense. Because the biggest thing that that, that I was hesitant about for this movie was the art style and how the people looked like they look different than other people in Pixar films. Um, mm-hmm. Just the art style. But since it's that director, I'm like, Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense now, but I enjoyed it. I, I really yeah. enjoyed this film. I liked that it was set in a very specific time that <laughs> I could remember. Um, <laughs> I, and I, uh, I enjoyed it. Like there's a lot of this movie that doesn't hit home for me because I was never a teenage girl. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed Fair. it. Yeah. Ryan, what'd you think? Oh, this was a home run home run. This was an absolute, like, <laughs> I I've actually, I, I I've seen it twice. Uh, mm-hmm. Kristen and I watched it last night and then I watched it again today just because I wanted to watch it again. Um, I as soon as I saw the preview, I wanted to see this movie and mm-hmm. not because of anything other than the fact that like one of my top five favorite animals is the red panda. Like, oh, in good. all honesty, like the red panda is one of my favorite animals. And uh-huh. so I was like, oh, my God, they're making a movie 
that has to do with like an animal that I really like that's kind of obscure to most Americans. Oh hell yeah, I'm watching this. <laughs> so um but but yeah, I mean the art uh just everything about it then watching it like the storyline, like I connected to this movie more than I kinda thought I was going to, which I'll kinda good. talk about later. <laughs> good, good, good. Love it. Um so yeah, to kind of parrot all of your opinions, I mean, I, I knew going into this it was the same director as Bao, so I expected really good things, and she absolutely didn't disappoint. I mean, this I love the art style of this movie, where it, it kind of toes that line between, uh, like, traditional Pixar, but leaning more towards, like, some of the anime tropes, like, what they do with their eyes whenever they, like, you know, see something <laughs> that they really like, or some of the expressions kind of lean more towards the anime side of things, which I think is perfect for a movie like this. And I really want to see Pixar start to move into that more stylized kind of thing. Like, everything doesn't need to be, you know, awkwardly photorealistic or Pixar realistic. So I think that this is really exciting. Uh, is like an, an art style direction. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk a bit about uh, the plot, first of all. So, I mean, I guess rough spoilers... For it, I mean, I don't know if we're going to do a spoilers and non-spoiler section for this, but I mean, we can if you want. No, let's just let's just go full spoilers. It's on Disney Plus. If you want to watch it, you absolutely should watch it. You have all it, all three of these, you know, thirty-year-old white guys on this podcast absolutely love this movie. Hey, <laughs> uh, if that's any kind of endorsement, but if you want to watch it, you definitely should. Um, this this movie seems to be following a bit of a trend in Disney and Pixar movies where there isn't kind of this clear Disney-esque villain in it. And the villain seems to be, you know, something more abstract, misunderstanding, or the non-acceptance of tradition, or, you know, the discovering of who you are. What did you guys think about that? What did you think about the general plot of how this movie turned out? It... I mean, I'm used to Pixar movies at this point, so I kind of knew where it was going. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I think we need to address what chat brought up in the fact that there is a character named Devin in it. I, I think that's skewing your view. Forgot about the character named Devin, and I love it. And it made me, like, happy and then uncomfortable right away. Well, see, so that scene where the mom freaks out about the... Um, like the mom completely overreacts to those pictures. Like yeah. that I kind of identified with. Like there, <laughs> like there were moments where I was like, yeah, I can see my mom doing that. Like, um, but beyond that, like I thought the plot was pretty straightforward. There wasn't really any surprises to me. Okay. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Uh, yeah. I mean, even though like, even though the topic of what the storyline and plot is, is a little unique compared to other Pixar films. Mm -hmm. Um, the, 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 the basis of like what Pixar films do is pretty much at the core of this. Mm -hmm. And I, I sent Devin a screenshot of a tweet that, uh, I found online. Mm -hmm. It says, um, old school Disney, uh, movies. Your family's dead, and now you got to fight the villain. New school <laughs> Disney flicks. Your family's alive, and now you got to deal with their bullcrap. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's pretty much what Pixar does nowadays. I mean, to a point, you could really make a parallel between Turning Red and Brave. Yeah. 
because they're really similar stories. Yeah. I mean, when, when it comes to mother and daughter issues, that's really similar between these two films. You know, that, yeah. I There was something about this that felt familiar, and that's it. I've only seen Brave once, but <laughs> no, it's like the same kind of theme there. Like te- yeah, like there's tension between the two because the daughter doesn't want to be handcuffed to living her life the way her mom wants her to do 100% of the time and she wants to be her own person. And that's the same thing with Turning Red. It's just the the the, the subtext to the story is different. In Brave, mm-hmm. it's, oh, I don't want to get married. In Turning Red, it's, my body's doing something that's new to me. Uh, can you help me with this? <laughs> can, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about specifically what the whole like turning red and turning into the panda means today uh quite a lot and it feels like it's either it's either a mix of like two metaphors all in one or it's essentially nothing or it's whatever you want it to be like the fact that it's a 13 year old girl the fact that you know it's a family of you know of immigrants is another thing like the fact that you know it's it it could mean any of those things or it could just mean nothing like i watched the making of this, uh-huh. like the first twenty minutes of it, and this is director, what I want to hear. The director and the rest of the film crew, they were talking about how they came up with the idea of the film. Mm-hmm. And to do a summary, she wanted to make a movie based off a of red panda because she thought red pandas were super cute, and that's where <laughs> she started. Um, Good. That's um, that's where she started, and then she was talking to like the other people on her team, and that's how they came up with the story. And mm-hmm. they said in the making that the red panda kind of symbolizes this like magical version of a period, or like okay. of like a magical version of puberty, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where they went with it. So, if, does that answer your question? It does. It definitely does. So I might have just been looking into it too much, or, or trying to. No, I mean, we're non-existent. I mean, which is fine. I mean. I mean, to be honest, you're dealing with a different culture. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with someone's, you know, with someone who has a completely different experience and view of, you know, living in our world than you do. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to, you know, dive a little deeper into this than, you know, you normally would. Because if this wasn't, you know, about a family from China mm-hmm. living in Toronto, Canada in 2002, um, and it was about, you know, like a kid who's like a, a fifth gen American living in the middle of Pennsylvania who turned into a deer. You wouldn't have a problem. <laughs> I'd be like too close to home. Stop. <laughs> um, so. so what did you guys. So you had mentioned, Alan, that this happens at a very specific point in time of which yeah. you can relate very, very much. What are some of the things, or are there anything in particular about this that you were like, oh, no, too close? Um, just the Tamagotchis brought back yeah. memories. Um, I feel like I remember them being a little bit sooner than 2002. They, um, they were. Yeah. Did they go in phases, though, Tamagotchis? They did. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like the late 90s that were really popular. Yeah. And then they had a little bit of another spike in popularity, like right after the millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that this is Canada, I mean, their trends might have been completely different than ours. I mean, it is Canada. Um, yeah, so beyond... they just discovered the 80s there, actually. It's weird. Yeah. Um, and the 90s are alive in Portland. Uh, 
Gross. <laughs> and uh, the other thing was, like, this is May 2002, and I just, <laughs> I thought to myself, like, I was seeing Spider-Man. Like, that's what I was. <laughs> I was at the Cumberland Drive and seeing Spider-Man and Men in Black 2. It's really funny. So, Ryan, was uh, there anything that connected you to the time period? I mean, the, the, the fact that it's 2002... I mean, I was like 16. No, that would have been. I was like 16 going on 17 or 17 going on 18. So, Mm -hmm. like, I was like junior, senior year, like either the end of my sophomore year or the beginning of my senior, uh, of my junior year um, Mm -hmm. of high school. So, even though this is like middle school kids, um, the style of the clothing and like, the words and phrases they were using all mm-hmm. brought me back to high school. I mean, Good. like everything from uh, the one girl responding to the classmate going, what's wrong with her? And she responds mm-hmm. back with what's wrong with your face. Yep. <laughs> like, like that was a common diss. Like every, oh, yeah. every, everybody said that. I still hear um, that from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Probably me. So from from that to the uh the the one classmate in the bathroom like she's wearing tights and uggs she's got her hair pulled back with like the butterfly like clips in the front oh like i think like half the girls in my school did that at one point so like there was just the aesthetic of the film being 2002 like it was just it it was fun it was i think i think that's part of the reason my wife didn't want to watch it like she didn't want to be called out like that (laughs) <laughs> what was it? Um, see, things, I, I don't see it as being called out. Well, like, no, she just, it's one of yeah. Like she still has the butterfly clips. Like we found them antique. Like, <laughs> oh, new. she should keep them. Yeah, she, no, she, she should keep. Yeah, them. she has them. Yeah. Um, the other thing, just while Ryan was talking, it may, I remembered the uh, video camera that they use was very similar to a camera oh, yeah. I had at the time, um, and I think I still have somewhere, uh, like the DV tape camera with like the the screen that flips out like yeah i remember having those were the coolest and the scene with the phones like all all of the kids texting each other and they all had like the nokia type like phones like that that was perfect too i mean just the time period it was the whole boy town thing that the four town four town yeah like that was that was that era too of like you know mega boy bands like that's when that happened I mean, hold on. That's just so I'm not like too crazy here. They're they're like, look, they're like all white outfits. That's channeling like InSync's Millennium, right? InSync and or then Backstreet you Boys, had... I think, did Millennium. It's channeling that, right? It was a mixture. They they had like the all white was, uh, you know what? I don't remember which one's which, <laughs> but they did one thing from one and one thing from the other. The angel wings and then. And then the old white outfits, and then mm-hmm. every character was based on a member from a different boy band. Oh, was it? Yeah. So, like, one of them looked. Uh, so, like, you had the one character who looked like a member of BTS, and, uh-huh. and then, uh, and then he had another character who looked like the blonde guy from In Sync, and then you had another guy who looked like the bad boy from backstreet boys so like they were all from different you know the stylization was all from different groups i didn't know that i, I like music just in general so i know this stuff. okay well, yeah. well since we're talking about music i just looked up who the composer for this was and it's ludwig, i was ludwig Yo- johansson 
who did the Mandalorian mm-hmm. and Black Panther. Yep. And uh, <laughs> but another bit of trivia I knew about this before I went into it. It was who wrote the songs for the boy band. I just found that one out. Who? Can you take a guess, Ryan? Let's play a game. This this person also did a very Elmer famous Ray. song. No, they did a very famous song from another movie that released. I think it was last year. Uh, Marilyn Manson. Nick Carter. No. no. Uh, the lead singer of Corn. This person. Yes. Fred Durst. This person <laughs> um, is nominated for an Oscar this year. Yeah, that still oh, yeah, doesn't help right. me. Billy Billie Eilish. Eilish. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, right? And I think her brother as well. Like, I think her brother. Yeah, I think her brother helped out on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I just learned that just now. It got me really excited. Yeah. It, it, the thing with this movie, it really drew me in. And I'm not going to elaborate because I want to, you know, I have a public-facing self and a private self. So, I'm, <laughs> you know. I connected, there is an aspect of this movie that I connected really strongly to. Okay. And it's to the main character. And mm. that's one of the reasons why I absolutely love this movie. There are things in the story that I connect to 100%. Um, and to go completely the opposite side of that, of something a little silly, I love the fact that the Rogers Center is in this. I was going to bring that up, actually. I was surprised you didn't start this with the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> and that's why I said before we started you know, the show that if I had a Toronto Blue Jays hat, I'd be wearing it. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, prior to, I mean, back when this was set in 2002, it was known as the Sky Dome, which yeah. they called it. Now it's the Rogers Center. Mm. Based on Mr. Rogers. Uh, Who's from Toronto, as everyone knows. As everyone knows. <laughs> Devin, anyway. Um, that was worth it. It was so worth it's it. like the Canadian Comcast version of Comcast. That makes sense. Um, um, the yeah. polite on the phone? <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, so... Yeah, I, I just found it funny that like they completely destroyed the sky dome pretty much mm-hmm. um and i just thought that was perfect just you know just you know like a movie that was like sensible and a little crazy and then like right towards the end the movie just goes absolutely like over the cliff and just into the ridiculousness which was perfect like it didn't i absolutely love that like godzilla panda mom yeah we got we got gaiju panda like that's what i wanted <laughs> so I think one of the things that I like the most about the movie is that, like, the characters react so incredibly humanly to what's going on around them. So she turns into a giant panda. These kids need money. They go, great, we'll exploit your panda powers for money. Yeah, and and she's the one that pretty much comes up with it, too. Like, they, you know, it's like, her friends are like, hey, we could do this. And she's like, yeah, no, we are going to do this because I'm sick and tired of being Little Miss Perfect. (laughs) Because I... Yeah, I I always really I don't know I, I thought that it was a good a good kind of twist to like actually show that and not like no I must keep my power hidden from everyone like yeah. by the midway point everyone knew who she was and everyone knew that she was the panda yeah yeah I and mean, then like, like and even at the end like she's the reason they come to tour the 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 shrine yeah um and that's one of the like that's another aspect of this that 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 I liked but I also like that they did. Is that they did a lot of stuff to tie in today's kids 
into yeah. this film, even though it was set in 2002. Like, that's our time. Um, but I like the fact that they did certain things to tie in the younger audience, as in with, like, the, the panda ears, the tail, and, like, the mittens. Because mm-hmm. I see that a lot now with the whole, like, popularity of anime. There's a lot more accessories that for everyday things that kids wear that are like the anime cat ears and like the oh, cat yeah. tails see, and stuff. My, see, my head canon for that is that that all started in 2002 with turning red and it spread from Toronto <laughs> around the world. Hey, That's my you head You know canon. what? Hey, you know what? It works. I'm completely fine with that. I mean, you know, I am. But yeah, so it's, it's, there's a lot about this movie that I enjoy. Hold on. Temple fact. I have quick temple fact for you both. Okay. Uh, at the temple, or the temple, uh, or the shrine, whatever, in which she kind of lives and cleans, there are two red pandas that guard the entrance. Do you know the names of the red pandas that guard the entrance? Bart and Lisa, she says it right at the start of the movie. Yeah, I love it! Oh, I, I didn't know if you guys caught it or not. It I, makes me so happy. I missed that, but I read that somewhere before I saw the Did movie. you? Yeah. That was one of the things that made uh, me go, oh, I should watch this. <laughs> um, they nodded to The Simpsons. We love it. Devin, you got anything else? Did you both see the post-credit scene? Yes, I I scrubbed through and watched it. Yeah, Did, I I love it. I just yeah, the fact that her dad was a was a four what is it four four town four Devin, town. You, I just had it up and it left. I had it here and it literally left. All right. Well, <laughs> since we're on the topic of boy bands, I need to ask you guys, um, Instinct or, or Backstreet Boys. It's going to be InSync. It's got to be InSync. I'm sorry. It's got to be. Ryan, how about you? I'm going Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys? Ah, oh, we're fighting forever. I got something I haven't shown up shown off on the show yet, but Why? it's a Backstreet Backstreet Boys all access pass. I never went to <laughs> I never got This isn't an actual one that I used. I found this antiquing, but I did see this tour live when it when they were going around for the, the Millennium tour. They're even dressed. They're even dressed like yeah, like they like like Four Town is yeah. That uh, makes me so happy. I like both, but I'm gonna say Backstreet Boys because I saw them in concert. So okay, fine. Last thing I have on this, uh, and this just just made me realize this. What is your favorite fictional boy band from any from any piece of media? If you I, want, I'll go first. Uh, you're gonna have to run through a list of them because I'm drawing a lot of blanks right now. Um, I mean, I know that there's one in The Simpsons when Bart becomes part of a boy band. Um, there's one in Bob's Burgers that I'm specifically going to mention. Um, I mean, boy bands just pop up in a lot of like media because they were kind of a staple of like of, of you know pop culture for a while. I'll just you... go with my actual favorite realistic boy band because I what have is, none. What is your actual favorite one? But BB Mac because I consider them a boy band even though they played their own instruments. <laughs> Fair, fair. Uh, I'm gonna go party posse from The Simpsons. You son of a bitch for <laughs> no, no, no. Mine's mine's boys for now from Bob's Burgers. They're my favorite. <laughs> yes, I. <laughs> my fa- I didn't my know fa- if you guys had one on the ready, but my favorite bit of trivia about that Simpsons boy band episode is they got in sync into the studio, and like Justin Timberlake wasn't happy with the lines he had. And they're like, well, okay, just just say just say word here, and we'll put that at the end of end of this one bit. And then that's all they use for him. Like every time they they talk, all Justin Timberlake says is 
Word. (laughs) (laughs) Because they didn't like how he was acting in the recording studio. Fair. I really like that. That's the kind of trivia I'm always here for, by the way. I know there was like a comic boy band that MTV did. Like in around that time, they did like a fake boy band where they had like a guy in his 40s who was supposed to be like the dad of the group. And they had a kid oh. in a wheelchair, but I forget what, like, the whole thing was. I don't remember that th- at all. He, he was supposed to be the sick one. Like, he was always terminal. Like, that was, oh, like, no. a running gag on the thing. Like, I'm, I'm talking, like, 2002, 2003 MTV. So if that's okay. offensive, it's because it was that era. So, okay, so just to make sure, you're not thinking about Degrassi, are you? I have no idea what Degrassi... What's that? It it's, might be Degrassi. It's the Canadian uh, soap opera show that Drake started on. Mm, this was it on MTV because it was on MTV. So, yeah. Okay, so that's it was. probably it. It might be. Um, the other one, other fictional boy band that I, I was thinking of is the Style Boys from Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. <laughs> Forgot about them too. I like them. Which is just it's just the Lonely Island. That's all it is. I um, mean, basically. Yeah. Uh, okay. So in the chat, uh, uh, friend of the show, Miss Little Moon, wants to know. Did you all have a Tamagotchi growing up? I did not. I think my sister <gasps> did. You did, Ryan? Who was it? I had a Tell Star me. Wars one. That is so cool. Who was it? Was it like um, a Ewok or a... It was a, it was a Rancor. It was a Rancor? Uh, it was a, this was before episode one came out, so... Did you, I mean, I we're, had, talking like, we're talking like 98, 99. I had a Jurassic Park one, and I had a T-Rex. It was the coolest thing in the world. I didn't know they Else? made those. <laughs> yeah. Is that they, why you're wearing a Jurassic it. Park shirt? Yeah, because of the Tamagotchi? Absolutely. Yeah, I, this is uh, my pet. I got the Star Wars one. My dad got me the Star Wars one. My mom uh. got me a normal one. And just like the little like blobby yeah, thing the, yeah like the little blobby thing on the egg yeah. and i ended up putting it in one of the drawers in the guest bedroom because mm-hmm. i can only really take care of one and i was sick and tired of having the one beep at me all the time so i threw it in a drawer <laughs> in the guest bedroom oh, and no. left it <laughs> you'd make the worst parent ryan that's what tamagotchis were i was in Test seventh of how good grade of a parent you would be sixth I grade i forget what grade i was in i know my wife <laughs> had one and I think she knows where it is at her parents' house. So um, I don't know if it's still alive or not. <laughs> but she knows where it is. It's a big deal. Yeah. Like, we have to go find it now. Yeah. Um, anything else on Turning Red, Devin? Honestly, that's all I got. I like this film. Watch this film. I'm excited yeah. to talk about the next movie. So real quick, is there a mm-hmm. reason they didn't release this in the theaters that you can that you found? No, I couldn't find it. I think it had to do with COVID still. And like, and how theaters were releasing and how theaters were opening. I don't think it could have gotten in front of as many people. I know Pixar wasn't happy about it though. I know they really wanted this one to be in theaters. It's, I mean, it should have, I mean, to be honest, this would have done really well in theaters. I think it would have. Because even the controversy around this would have gotten people to go see it. I straight up didn't even want to talk about it. It's so stupid, the controversy. That's as much as I'm talking about it. Stopping children, everyone. That's as much as I'm sorry. All right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's move on from uh, turning red to uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about Bruno, the 2009 film starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, oh, no. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> was that the joke that, that you were allowed to <laughs> Oh, we're not the, talking that about joke? that. We're not talking. You said we were talking about Bruno. I thought that's what we. Were, that's what I watched. Oh, I, like, I don't oh know how this gosh. is Disney, but <laughs> if you look it's at the little, stream, it's a little edgy for Disney. If you look at the stream, I have that poster up right now. <laughs> Do you actually? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, Encanto, I guess. Uh, which one do you guys like better, Encanto or Bruno? Encanto. Yeah, for me it's Encanto. Ryan? It's it's about the same. It's about equal, really. Oh wow. Yeah. Well it's not a diss on Encanto. Like you're saying that like I'm like, oh I didn't like Encanto. No, I I I, I equally like both movies. Okay, good. So I'll I'll do a quick intro into Encanto for those who haven't been around the internet in the last couple of months. <laughs> Uh, so Encanto is a 2021 Disney movie. It's actually Disney's, Disney's 60th animated motion picture, uh, which was a cool fact that I now know about it. Uh, it's directed by Jared Bush, who did Zootopia, Moana. He did All of Us. It's directed by Brian Howard, who did uh, Tangled in Bolt. And it also is directed by um, Cherisek Smith, who had done Ryan the Last Dragon, Encanto, and The Haunting of Hill House, and The Exorcist 2016. She was producer on both of those. I don't understand her her uh, her like film career, but I love it. Um, they all have to do with houses. That's it. That's it. It's just house themed. I love that. Uh, but it stars a crazy cast: Stephanie Beatrice, uh, Maria Bortero, John Leguizamo, and uh, Mauro Castillo, among others. Uh, music is by friend of the show, Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, who I think none of us are sick of talking about yet. And yeah, so this film uh, initially released, oh, it came, it it was a theatrical release, but then also came to streaming services either immediately or very, very shortly after. Because I remember just watching it here instead of going to the theaters for it. Um, But this immediately caught on. One of the songs in it uh, is up for an Oscar. Another one of the songs in it, awkwardly not the same one, uh, hit like the top of the charts for a very, very long amount of time uh, with all of that preamble. Uh, Ryan, you and I talked about it very briefly, so I mostly know your opinion on this. Alan, what did you think of Encanto? You know, I was surprised at how much of the internet didn't spoil this for me. <laughs> I knew the songs. I knew like the TikTok audios that have been a thing from this. I didn't know the the, the actual plot of the film. Uh, okay. I, I didn't know the ending of the film. I like, so the whole time when they're trying to figure out what's making the magic go away, I had no clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew Bruno was living in the walls, so it's like Disney presents Parasite. Um, <laughs> Gross. But beyond that, like the the internet, like we don't talk about Bruno has been everywhere. Yeah. Um, like I I knew most of the songs going into this. And mm-hmm. I, I still enjoyed every second of it. Good. So to give a, a brief plot overview for those of you who don't know, uh, Encanto tells a story or follows um, a family called the Madrigals. They live in Colombia. 
and all of them have magic powers except for the main character, Maribel. Um, at some point, she starts to see the house that they live in, a magical house that they call Casita, which is adorable, uh, start to crack, and the family slowly starts to lose their magic powers, so it's up to her to figure out what's going on with the family uh, and why their powers are going away. Now, the first thing that I want to drill down on, and this is the thing that got me so much like love for this movie and the reason I love it the most, is everyone's powers, and I think about these things a lot, I think everyone's powers in this movie is essentially just an overreaction to how pressures are put upon you. So, for example, uh, one lady feels like she has to hear and listen to everything. One lady feels like she has to lift and carry everything. One lady feels like she has to... Um, heal everyone? Yeah, heal everyone. The other person feels like she has to be perfect all the time. The one little kid feels like he has to turn into somebody else in order to be accepted. I feel like every one of these powers is a different, essentially, not societal ill, but like a, a bad way to deal with a personality trait or a bad personality trait that someone might have. Is that the take that you guys all had too? Or am I just like being weird about this? So I don't know. If, I'm sorry. No, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to okay. make a joke. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like... A, it's about family trauma. And yeah. dealing with someone like because it, it all stands from the grandmother mm-hmm. and everyone tiptoes around her. So mm-hmm. everyone has their own way of doing that. So they're not putting, you know, like falling out of line in the family. So what this is, is it's showing all the powers as in, like you said, different ways of dealing with stress. Mm-hmm. And that's how I don't know if it's like a society ill or like a mm-hmm. bad trait thing i just i i i feel like instead of having a hard conversation and tackling the main issue uh as if the grandmother head on mm-hmm. they're all doing these things and trying to help each other out at the same time and like that's family trauma it, or what's what's the term i've been hearing generational trauma yep generational trauma i mean really both of these movies are about generational trauma like really, yeah. I mean, isn't every Disney movie? To be fair, yeah. <laughs> I mean, except for the ones that are like, "An evil queen has put me to sleep." E- well, that's what. That... Even then, like it's. I don't know. It is a no. It is a little bit. You're right. I just think that we're leaning into it more now. Like we're not getting a Disney villain in this. We're getting generational trauma as the Disney villain, which. It's like that tweet that I read earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's exactly that. Uh, I looked at them, and I and I I don't like. I said this was a joke, but it's also kind of true. Like they're the Colombian X Men. Like he he <laughs> has their power, but it is, does represent like the pressures of having to be strong for everyone, or having mm-hmm. to heal everyone, or pretending to be somebody else. Like I think you hit that straight on that nail right on the head, um, because that's that's something that the X-Men represent too. Like a lot of their powers Mm. are representative of things in society and stuff like that. So I never actually knew that about the X-Men to be fair. I was just like, one of them has claws and it's neat. Like I didn't know that it was any deeper than that to be fair. I mean, Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of interpretations of what the X-Men are like. um, Professor X is Martin Luther King. And then Magneto is Malcolm X is one way people read it. Oh wow! Um, but then you have like all the di- like 
depending on who's writing it, the, the powers stand for different things and all of that. So, mm-hmm. um, so, okay. So to, to talk quick about some of the songs in this movie, I've heard essentially two takes on the songs in this movie. I've heard, Oh my gosh, I love just about every one of them. And I heard they weren't very good or memorable and they were all <laughs> kind of forgettable and I didn't like any of them. And they were all just there to suit the purpose of what was going on now. And I have seen zero middle ground. I've heard nobody say some were good or one of them was good. It was either you love this and you connected with all of it, or this is the worst thing. I'd rather listen to elevator music. Where did you guys fall on that? Um, I'm glad Lin-Manuel Miranda wasn't singing the songs. <laughs> I enjoyed the music. Like I like Lin-Manuel yeah. as a songwriter. Um, okay. As a singer, maybe not so much because I've seen bits and pieces of his version of Tick, Tick, Boom, and it, it leaves you wanting. Uh, <laughs> but no, I enjoyed it. Like, And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, the voice actors who are performing these songs, like Stephanie Beatrice. Uh, oh, I don't know wonderful. if you guys know this. Uh, during the her, her recording session of Waiting on a Miracle, she went into labor. I heard about that. So she's Good like, for, I mean, oh. yeah, she's going through the miracle of childbirth, singing a Disney song about miracles. Like give her, give her an Oscar. Like she's amazing. She's amazing. She really is. Yeah. It, it's, it's so weird. Like, no, like knowing that's her and like picturing Rosa Diaz from Brooklyn nine, nine. <laughs> Ryan, have you seen Brooklyn nine, nine at all? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. So you know her character is like completely different yeah. from Maribel. Come, but that's what yeah. Stephanie Beatrice yeah. is like in real life. Like she's such a great actress. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you you like the songs though? Yeah, I I don't have. I mean, I think some of them are forgettable, but I haven't been hearing. Um, what else can I do? As much as I've heard uh, the uh, surface pressure and um, mm. family Madrigal, like on the internet. Like I've heard those all the time. Like, but there's some songs that I just don't know. Cause I haven't heard them as much cause they didn't go viral. <laughs> Makes sense. Ryan, what'd you think of the music? I started out on one side of that line, then hopped over to the other. Tell me all about it. Because my problem with the frozen songs is that like the music's okay. The music's fine, except the lyrics kind of run a bit longer. And I think I talked about this before during one Mm -hmm. of the other podcasts. Like to me, it's like there's too many syllables being spoken or sung to the beat of the music for it to sound right to me. Mm -hmm. And the first time I watched this movie, I had the same problem Mm -hmm. where just it seemed it seemed like they were cramming too many words or words of too many syllables to match the type of music that they were actually playing. Mm-hmm. And the first time I saw this movie, I was like, this is a great movie. I love the meaning. The songs are fine, but I don't really like the music. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to watch it again because I like mm-hmm. the mo- I like the movie. So I watch it again. I'm like, no, no, I, I think I kind of like the music. And now I'm starting to like all of it. So oh, nice. I don't know if it's the fact that like I like the meaning of the movie, so I'm liking the songs more mm-hmm. and I'm kind of ignoring the issues I have with it, or if I'm starting to get it, I have no idea. I, I, I think the syllables thing that you address is kind of Lin-Manuel's style. Like that's something he does a lot, which is like fitting a lot of words into a tight space. So you have to like say them fast. But see, the thing is, it's not an issue with um, uh, Moana. Okay. It, it's, I don't have that issue with any of those songs in that movie. 
it's specifically with like Frozen, and mm-hmm. it was with this movie when I first watched it. Okay. I want to tell you my favorite take on the music on this, just real quick, because you guys reminded me of something uh, with Moana. So I have uh, one of Roma- Romana's uncle, or some of Romana's family, absolutely hates, hates, hates Hamilton. Does not like Lynn memo Miranda at all as a singer-songwriter. Doesn't think that he's as, good, as talented as he should Is be. Is their name Be-, be- Aaron Burr? <laughs> they are. Uh, they begrudgingly watched Encanto because it was the next Disney movie. And they had this, the first reaction. They thought the songs were fine, not great, mostly forgettable, but they could tell it was Lynn memo Miranda. They then watched Moana and literally turned to say to each other, isn't it so refreshing to watch a Disney movie that Lynn didn't write the words for, or didn't, Lynn didn't write the music for? And then had a nasty surprise when the credits came around. Mm. My favorite take on all of that. But, um, so the, mu- the, mu- or the song that got popular, obviously, is We Don't Talk About Bruno. But the song that's up for an Oscar is It's Dos Orguitas, right? Yes. What did you guys think of that song? Which one is that? It's, so Dos Orguitas is the one that they sing by the river towards the end. It's the one where they're recapping the life of uh, the, okay. the grandma. grandma and everything that happened <clears throat> on her journey up there. Did you guys like that one? Do you think it's Oscar worthy or do you think it was just fine? I mean, uh, I've... go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Alan, you go. You're the music person. I mean, the fact that <laughs> I had to ask which song it was says <laughs> something, I think. Yeah. Um, but I've only seen the movie once, so that's on me. Um, but uh, Ryan, you go ahead. Okay. Um, I feel like that song is more... I hate that I don't have a better word to use. Artsy? Sure. Like, I feel like you would get, like, a music major would find that song more interesting to go over than, like, We Don't Talk About Bruno. So maybe that's why. And it's the emotional climax of the film. Yeah. So it makes sense for that to be the big Mm -hmm. musical moment. That's like the um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight Right moment. So I have have two facts about each, or a fact about each and every one of those songs. The first one with Dos Oroquitas, Lynn wrote that before they even got to the plot section or what the plot was going to be for this movie. But they liked it so much. They're like, all right, we're putting it in and we'll build a plot around it. So that's kind of why it's the emotional climax, because he basically wrote it before the movie took any shape. And that's just kind of how Disney works sometimes. Uh, The other thing that I think is really, really neat is um, my favorite part of We Don't Talk About Bruno, because I think the beginning part is just fine. But my favorite part's when they're all overlapping and you have those kind of overlapping melodies that go on top of each other. Mm -hmm. Guys, it's called a madrigal. Isn't that neat? That's That's their last name in the movie. (laughs) That's cool. That's yeah. my, that's my favorite part of the movie is when all of the yeah. like, that's my favorite part of we don't talk about Bruno is when all of those parts are overlapping. Um yeah. Since we're on the topic of mu- of music, let's talk mm-hmm. about the Oscar nominees for music. I'm not going to give you my picks for this, but we can go through okay. I have the list here so we can go through the other songs that were nominated and Good. um we can give our thoughts on this. So, we've talked a bit about the Dors Dos uh Orguitas. Orguitas from Encanto. Other mm-hmm. songs nominated. Um, Be Alive from King Richard, which I believe is going to be performed by Beyonce at the Oscars. 
might be before, oh. performed by Beyonce in the movie. I'm not sure. I haven't seen King Richard yet. That's coming up tomorrow morning. Um, <laughs> Down to Joy, which is performed by Van Morrison in Belfast. Oh, interesting. The okay. uh, Kenneth Branagh growing up in the 60s during the Irish uh, Catholic Protestant stuff. Um, mm, the Troubles. Yeah. Uh, no Time to Die by Billie Eilish for No Time to there Die. There you go. The Bond song. Back around. And Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, which I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't I'm, know that one either. <laughs> I'm going to do my research before tomorrow and listen to all of these mm-hmm. songs. So we And Devin, I encourage you to do this. Oh, I will. Because listening to a song is easy, and we can do that. Seeking out like mm-hmm. every single documentary and stuff is kind of tricky, but songs we can do. Mm-hmm. Um. No, having seen Belfast, knowing which, I think I know which part this song's at because Van Morrison does the whole soundtrack to Belfast. Oh wow! Um, knowing which part this is in, according to IMDb, if they're listing mm-hmm. it right, it's a it's a close call for me at this point between that. Is and, it really? And Encanto, yeah. I don't. Okay. I, I I want Billie Eilish to win so she can egot. Before she's twenty five, because uh, that'd be awesome. But mm. I, I think it's between those two for me. Ryan, what do you think? I'm gonna let the dice decide. <laughs> Good. Uh, for me, it's for me so far. I did really like the the James Bond one, like more than I thought I was going to, to the point where like when it came on, I was like, oh no, Billie Eilish is doing this. I don't think I like Billie Eilish. And then the song finished, and went, oh, I think I might like Billie Eilish. So, like, I think that's a good sign for the song, but I, I just like Dos Oroquitas, especially at the end when they're mariposas. And I'm like, oh, yay. So you you listen to Billie Eilish and you're like, you know what? She's not that bad guy. Oh, oh, that hurts. That really hurts. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I have an unfair question about Encanto. Switching back it. to the movie real quick. What was Maribel's power? Slash, did she have one? Or, like, was, like, or was Casita just a huge monster and just a jerk and just decided not to give her one? Do you know what my, my read on the film was from the from the opening scene? Casita was the grandfather. I heard that take a lot, especially with the wave. I, I said that every time that happened to my sister while we watched the movie. And she's like, no, it's not. Shut up. But that that's how I, I read it. I like the take. I mean, can I get into spoilers to have my opinion on the mansion? Hundred percent. I mean, so we're now we're now to the point. The candle gets its magic after he's murdered. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, the cons- the house is him. It's his spirit. <laughs> like his spirit left his body, went into the candle to look after the family. I think for me, it was the connection when the first time they see each other, he does like that little wave. And then the second Casita like comes alive, the little hinge does the wave. It's out oh, for me. It's just too perfect. <laughs> but do you yeah. guys think that, that Maribel has a power at all? And if so, like, I mean, I'm happy for that to be like, I don't know. I didn't look into it. And for me to get my thoughts on it too. Um, I, I was trying to figure that out. Um, I think that her power is destroying houses. <laughs> She's the demolition crew in yeah. front of yeah. my house. 
Uh, I. Everyone has a power that that simulates how different people react to living in a family like that. She doesn't, meaning that she's she's the one that's like, no, I'm not going to just avoid the problem. I'm going to take care of this. Mm-hmm. So I guess what uh, a short fuse, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Um, I feel like if anything, she's like the, you know, the glue that holds the family together. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's kind of what it's symbolizing. Um, and I'm so happy. I'm so incredibly happy that they did not give her power at the end of this, because if they were going to do that, I was like, what's the point of the storyline if you're going to do that? I mean, to be fair, if they gave her like an explicit power, like what power would they have given her that would have made any sense? Like she can fly now. All right, great. I, I do genuinely think that her power is that she's basically the next version of the grandma. Like, her power is to tend to the house, is to tend to everyone else's powers and to support everyone in much the same way that the grandma was. I think that she's essentially... that The, the house crumbling and then rebuilding itself was essentially the power shift between the grandma owning and running things and then Maribel owning and running things. And that was kind of how that had to happen. She had to build it from the ground up and build everyone from the ground up to feel supported in their roles in a way that the old regime just didn't do it. Yeah, That's my because take the old it. regime got off the rails and, you know, destroyed everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and I, I love that moment in this where she goes, you know, I keep forgetting that, like, the the gift isn't the powers. The gift is you guys. Like, oh, just it's so good. It's so, so good. So... It. So the gift isn't the coping mechanisms that she gives the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> the gift is the family. The family. It it's is the, the family. family. Yeah. I just I just personally find that funny. <laughs> like here, you're all damaged because of me, but I still love all of you. <laughs> but that totally is how families play out, right? Like like yeah, it or not, I, like no matter how great your parents are, they end up giving you those little ticks anyway, and it's not their fault. This might read more about me than I really want to admit, but there's there are points in Turning Red and in this movie where like the mom will do something or says something or the grandmother will do something and say something and I just have like the, the, and I have the same reaction of like oh no somebody hit her like somebody <laughs> just somebody just put her on her butt please like somebody yeah. just uh, like there are times like they say things where I'm like oh no that's a non-starter for me yeah Mm-mm, we're not doing this <laughs> If, so then, I, I think really the last question I had, because that was really the big one uh, that I wanted to talk about. My last question then is, which one of the the powers that you saw kind of on display in the family family Madrigal uh, hit closest to you? Uh, I'll start. Mine was Luisa's with her like needing to like lift and do everything to the point where like the first time I heard and understood the lyrics of Surface Pressure, I almost cried. I feel was that I feel like I'm useless if I'm not of service. Worthless if I'm not of service. And then yeah. give it to your sister, your sister. Or never wonder if the same pressure would have pulled you under. I heard that line. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, there's a feeling there. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a being the oldest of four. I can feel that one mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, I know that a lot of people gravitate towards the perfectionist that uh that 
not Louisa, the other one was, um, the one that made the flowers, they'll gravitate right. towards her or they'll gravitate towards the whole, um, like changing or being a chameleon one. Yeah. Or I, like I gravitate towards everything. the uncle who's like, Hey, look at this. This is fun. Like that's who I, <laughs> that's who I gravitate He's the best. towards. I love him by the way. He's a great character. Ryan. Uh, the one that hears everything. Yeah. Who has arguably the worst power. Yeah. Um, but some of the funniest because, moments. Oh, 100%. Yeah, simply because it's one of those things where it's like, I... Depending on what the atmosphere is, depended on how I reacted to stuff. Mm-hmm. So knowing what's going on or hearing what's going on would kind of prepare me for what I needed to do or yeah. how I needed to act. You know, that type of that type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um but she is my favorite part in Don't Talk of and We Don't Talk About Bruno. Because the first time I watched the movie, I had a hard time understanding. Um, and not because of accents, just because of how Miranda writes music sometimes. Oh, yeah. With all crunching the words all together. I had a hard time understanding everyone until it got to her because she was actually rapping. <laughs> And I could understand every single word she said. I was like, oh, I understand this one. I like this one. And she gives away the fact, like the twist of Bruno being in the walls. The whole time she's like, I can hear him. I I hear him now. Yeah. Um, Well, that and she also reminds me of uh, uh, Rihanna. I feel like that's kind of they were going for her musically. I can see that. Yeah, they all kind of had their own musical thing going. I can definitely see that. Yeah, and there's just I just that and like the fact that whenever she would like move or do something, she would like take a breath and it would sound like a flute. <laughs> As I almost do that myself right yeah. now. <laughs> it's thematically appropriate. I loved it. All right. Anything else for Encanto, Devin? I loved it. Okay. Um I have a question for Devin. Just What's up? Just because the, the, this is a bit of a thorn in my side, a recent thorn, and I'm and I'm gonna poke at you a little bit. Oh, let's do it. What now? Granted, I had to look this up, so don't feel bad if you don't know. I just wanted to bring up this topic. What okay. era do you think this movie took place in? Because there's an actual year. I didn't know that. that. I. God, they I don't really, bring it up in the movie. It's I really hope this isn't like. There is a historical event that they reference that you can then make a line and get the decade that this movie takes so, place. So, I mean, my guess is that the historical event is the the raid that happens in the very beginning that, like, drives yes. the family out. I was really hoping that that's a real historic event and this isn't taking place in, like, oh, my gosh, in, like, you know, 2018 or something like that. And we have, like, a The Village situation going on. Yeah, no. Um, that was the Thousands Day War, which oh. was a civil war that happened in uh, Colombia. Oh wow! In what um, year? I... Yeah, when was that? Well, I'm not going to give that away because it'll tell Devin what it is. That's why I wanted him to guess. <laughs> it was in okay. It was in 1658. What decade do you think? What decade do you think this was in? I think I'll give you a range. In... It was within the last hundred years. In the last hundred years, okay. So they were. I mean, they were. They were riding horses. I'm going to say this was in nineteen the 1910s. Okay, the Thousands Day Civil War mm-hmm. happened between 1899 and 1902. Ah, it was off by like ten years. That's 
that's not in the last hundred that's years. not <laughs> that is not when this movie takes place right because the movie takes place a couple years later so it's probably almost exactly more 100 than, years ago okay more than more than okay. a couple years after yeah. the event Makes because sense, the though. grandmother is older, okay. like she's like in her twenties in the flashback, and the grandmother's in like I see what her fifties or sixties. Good job, math. I... Hmm? <laughs> so I the movie takes guys. place in <laughs> the movie takes place in nineteen fifty. That makes sense. That makes in perfect the 1950s. sense. And yeah, it's a I, documentary. And I, like, I said... like being the recording. Is, and it is. <laughs> This what? is a real docu. This is a real documentary, like being the no. Ricardos. <laughs> uh, Alan's not gonna let me live that down. By the no, way, no, I'm not. No, I'm sad yeah. I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love, I love the image of Ryan just scrambling to get his computer on, not to specifically join the podcast, but to yell at me for thinking that this was a real documentary. Well, because it was the thing is, I was trying to beat any internet troll that would wind up on the you know thing to like egg you on that it was a documentary and then the, <laughs> and then and then of course the whole thing that makes this whole thing worse is the fact that you thought Isle of Lucy was on during the 30s which means the people they were interviewing would have like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> would have been well into their hundreds they would have been like 120 years old <laughs> i don't understand how time works is is what we need to know here <laughs> yeah all right. Uh, so uh, while you're here, Ryan, I, I do want to add because I'm sure you've seen more of these than I have. Uh, Encanto is up for best animated picture at the Oscars. Okay. I'm not asking for your official okay. pick, but yeah, it is up against the international film Flea, Disney's okay. Disney Pixar's Luca. Was that a Pixar? Yes, yes Pixar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Mitchells in the yeah. versus the Machines and Raya and the Last Dragon. Out of the those films, do you think Encanto has a chance at winning Best Picture? Oh yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. Okay. I mean, the thing is, like, the, the, all of these, some, most of these movies kind of hit hit the same chord. Mm-hmm. It's about you know, like finding yourself and understanding yourself, and that's pretty much what Disney's doing now. Um, and that's what a lot of studios are doing. I just, I feel like this is one of those where the popularity is just too great. Okay. For it not yeah, to win? For it, yeah, for it not to win. I I really feel like that's what's going to happen here. Okay. Well, so do you want us to mark this down as your one category that you will say... I'm leaving it up to the dice. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. And if you want to, <laughs> if you want to hear Devin and I's picks for best animated picture, tune in tomorrow, where mm-hmm. we talk about our picks for the 2022 Academy Awards right here on Twitch, and maybe Facebook. I don't know. Uh, but that does it for our talk on Encanto. Um, I believe next week is my pick. Somehow the order got messed up from the Google Calendar. So next week is my pick. Um, and there's a Marvel show coming out next week. I don't know if you guys heard about this. Uh, Marvel's Moon Knight premieres next Wednesday, starring the one and only Oscar Isaac. So um, I'm picking an Oscar Isaac film. Uh, Ryan, have you seen Inside Lewin Davis? I've never heard of it before. Okay. Well, then yes. that is what we are watching next week. 
Uh, oh, it is a Coen Brothers right. film, so I think you'll, I think, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's not, <laughs> it's we a, can it's, tell the enjoyment. I, no, I, I, I'm not a huge on the Coen Brothers, but I like this because it's got a lot of music in it. And uh, did you say Backstreet Boys of, or In Sync earlier? I, I said Backstreet Boys, but yeah. I'm more of a BB Mac person. Okay. So well, I, think. Well, I was gonna say, well, it's got Justin Timberlake in it too. So, but never mind. That's uh, fine. <laughs> and, it, and it has Adam Driver no, making I, funny that's... mouth sounds. Justin, Justin Timberlake's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tune, whatever. tune in next week for Inside Lewin Davis. Um, and until then, uh, you can follow us on Instagram. Subs- uh, follow us here on Twitch. Like us on Facebook. You can listen to You Have to Watch This Podcast on all major podcasting platforms. You can also check out our website at uh, rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com slash you have to watch this pod. Uh, you can catch up on all older episodes there You can watch older episodes on YouTube and you can listen to you have to watch this podcast wherever you can listen to podcasts. So until next time for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan and I'm Devin and we do talk about Bruno. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>